This is Radio Free Pro Wrestling. The home of smart and stunning wrestling takes. The liberation starts now. Hello and welcome to this special edition of Radio Free Professional Wrestling as this is our review show for AEW Double or Nothing, NST Battleground, and WWE NADA Champions. Have you recovered from the busiest weekend of professional wrestling? I know I have. Before we get started with the reviews of the show, I need to give two special thank yous. First, to the Kentucky guy from Against the Matt podcast as he helps me break down WWE NADA Champions. And of course, the young gun, the Canadian gentleman himself. Matthew Eller, the host of AEW Deep Dive on the Sunday Night Main Event Network as we break down everything that happened from NXT Battleground. So do me a favor, all the, the links to their shows are in the show notes. Go check these two podcasts out. Give these guys a listen. I bet you enjoyed our conversation just as much as I did. And I will be back at the end of the show to break down AEW Double or Nothing. Now let's go back to Saturday as me and the Kentucky guy from Against the Map podcast recorded our segment just after the wrap-up of WWE Night of Champions. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a special guest with me during this Sunny Six Questions as we review WWE Night of Champions. He is from Against the Map podcast. He is the Kentucky guy. So, yes, now this podcast has two certain guys talking professional wrestling. Everything is right in the world, Kentucky guy. How you doing, KG? Hey, 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 man. How's it going? Uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's a delight to have somebody else on the podcast that's from the southern part of the United States who loves professional wrestling. Oh, yeah. Uh, grew up uh, watching it. Actually, a little bit different story. I actually grew up watching it. My mom was actually the one that got me into wrestling. So some of the greatest memories I ever have with her is... Uh, just sitting back and watching uh, like Dusty Rhodes and Buzz Sawyer and all those guys back in the day. That's cool. See, my grandfather got me into it. We would stay home on Sundays as my grandma would go to church and we would watch Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It was based here on Knoxville. And that promotion got me hooked into professional wrestling. Then I watched WCW. So Yeah, I think, I think all of us uh, pretty much cut our teeth on WCW, right? <laughs> well, yeah, this is like the stronghold of WCW country. We're in the middle of it. Yeah, actually, up the road here, uh, here in here in the beautiful state of Kentucky, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, Leaping Laney Popo, and uh, their father, their dad as well, Franzel, they used to wrestle all the time, of probably ten minutes from where I live. Oh yeah, like during like the late seventies, they were running like IWC out of Knoxville, and they had that little chunk of Kentucky as well, Eastern Kentucky. Yep, that's it. That's where I'm at. Well, Kentucky guy, we were coming on to talk about. WWE, not a champions. And I've got a feeling that this show delivered more than what we expected. I was going into the show, not sure how it would play off, but I'm coming out of it. I'm kind of happy. How about you? I am ecstatic after uh, backlash. You know, I've been kind of uh, down on the WWE brand here uh, the last month or so since WrestleMania. And the reason why is because of uh, mainly uh, one of their main stars is Bray Wyatt. So, and I, and I think that, you know, they just completely got away from him after everybody waiting for him to come back. And I know he's got some type of illness going on, but backlash really let me down. I didn't, I did not think uh, there was nothing shocking that happened, but boy, oh boy, night of champions, superb, superb pay-per-view. 
one of the best uh, so far this year. Well, you know, KG, they started off with probably the best match of the night, and it's for that new World Heavyweight Championship title. It's Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles. They went just a little over 20 minutes, and this one had me on the seat of my pants because I wasn't sure who was going to come out on top, and eventually it was Seth freaking Rollins defeating AJ Styles in one hell of a match. Yes, probably uh, would have stolen the show if it wasn't, if the main... Uh, event didn't have so much happen in it but yeah that was a great match i actually picked seth rollins to win but you're right throughout the match because there's so many rumors about seth being in the new captain america movie and so forth and if they're going to drag it out aj styles is on smackdown i i mean what can you say about aj he always comes whether he's putting somebody over or he's going to win He's just, he's just amazing. It doesn't matter if he's a heel, baby face, what have you. And then Seth Rollins, it's way past due, man. Seth Rollins has put a lot of people over in the last year, Cody Rhodes being one of them. And uh, yeah, I was uh, very, very happy with the ending of that match. I thought it was a great match throughout, like you said. You know, there's one spot in that match that kind of got me worried. AJ lifted um, Seth Rollins over the top rope and dropped him right on the side of the ring apron. I wish they would get that spot out of professional wrestling because I know it looks cool, but there's so small room for error in that kind of spot. Yeah, well, um, Kevin Owens actually in Ring of Honor, you know, he does the uh, power bomb or he used to uh, on what on the outside apron, and uh, he uh, he didn't break the guy's neck, but he broke a a bone in his back where uh, the guy actually had to give up wrestling. I know a lot of younger professor wrestlers love to do that kind of spots. Is this something I just don't see the need for? I'm kind of from that era of like Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson, the four horsemen, Rick Flair. You never see him do a spot like that. They still got all the massive heat in the world. Yeah. Uh, any Anytime that you fool, because that's the hardest part of the ring. You know what I mean? And anytime that you start doing uh, anything on there, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're taking a chance. And it's already, a, you know, everybody... You know, you can say, oh, it's fake and what have you, and that's fine. But these are true athletes. I mean, these guys are in tip-top shape, and they actually do get injured. And uh, I think that's just, uh, I'm like you, that's too big of a risk in my eyes. Just go on, just go into the floor and do it on the uh, concrete or the mat on top of the concrete like everybody else does, you know? <laughs> exactly, KG. Now, the end of this match was kind of cool because we saw AG Styles do a pedigree. And I thought that was the minute. I thought AJ was going to win it with a pedigree. It's kind of funny. And it'll be an interesting way to kick off the show. Unfortunately for me, Seth Rollins gets out. He gets to do his pedigree, then does the stomp, and he gets the victory. You know, Seth went for a stomp right before the one that he used for a finisher. And uh, it was his knee gave out. And I was like, oh, man. That's when I really thought, well, here we go. I'm wrong. AJ Styles is going to win this match. I really did. I thought AJ would put on the calf crusher, and it'd be over. The AJ Styles doing the pedigree was kind of cool, but me personally, I wish Seth Rollins would get away from the pedigree. That was back in Triple H's day when he uh, came against Triple H, when he first came back from being injured, the authority and what have you. I mean, he's got he's got so many finishers. I just don't think he needs it. Kind of like that, uh, that other guy that was partners with uh, Randy Orton. He needs to drop the RKO as well. Yeah. Now, I mean, Seth Rollins did a cool version of his um, suplex and fountain hour combo. He basically inverted it. So it was like an inverted superplex. Then he went into the inverted fountain arrow. He needs to use that for a finisher. That was that was great. That was great. And I'm glad that you mentioned that, Sean, because they're, the moves and the finishers, they have to mean something. They don't mean anything anymore. You, you know, you've got Brock Lesnar doing five, 
F5s to people before you can actually pin them. Uh, Roman Reigns, Superman punching someone four or five times before actually getting a one, two, three. That's ridiculous. I remember a time when the super kick, you know, Shawn Michaels, that was it. Hit you once. Now the Young Bucks, they do they do one right at the beginning of the match. Same with the Usos. And I, I think that's one mistake that uh, all wrestling organizations are making. They need to make the moves actually mean something again. KJ, I can't agree with you more. We're going to move on to the next match here. And I was kind of surprised this was going to be the match that followed AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. Now, I was looking at the card later. I'm thinking this probably could be the only match that followed that one because this was a death spot for any other people. But it's Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. And I had hopes coming into this that this was going to be entertaining. And they got off to a very rough start, KG. This is the match where I get up and go get something to drink and, uh, you know, walk away. I had no buy-in on this match whatsoever. I I wasn't interested at all. I think the end was kind of shocking, but not really because we already know that Trish Stratus was playing a heel. So, of course, she wasn't going to beat Becky Lynch one-on-one. It's one of those matches where you you could actually care less who won. <laughs> Just not enough build-up to it, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, like it came from a weird place because they had that three-on-three match at WrestleMania, and then... Literally the day after, on the day after Raw, they basically flip um Trish Hill like on a dime for no good reason, and here we are. And I love a heel Trish Stratus, but she needs to get away from that one move where she tries to handspring up and do the her uh, Karana off from the corner because I don't think she can do it anymore. Yeah, I, she's a she. Well, I'll tell you what I call her on my podcast, and you and you, I may get some heat from your fans, but uh, I call her a dinosaur. I. I you know, her heyday's over with, so just move on. You know, why are you, you know, the man, Becky Lynch, she's in her prime. Uh, she should be, you know, competing for titles, not against uh, somebody who had their career 20 years ago. You know, KG, I was kind of happy to see Stella Stark come out from underneath the ring and help Trish win this match, because I got a feeling Trish is going to go away for a while, and eventually we're going to get back to this view with Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus at SummerSlam, probably. But over the course of the summer here, we're going to see Zoe Stark, and we're going to see if she is what the WWE thinks she is, like the next big thing in the women's division, because Becky's going to find out if she can wrestle or not. Yeah, the good thing about Becky Lynch wrestling her is she can make just about anybody look good. So I was not impressed with Zoe Stark all through NXT. Uh, you'll, you'll find out, uh, Sean, I'm, I'm a big uh, Indies guy. I like NFL. I've got an addiction when it comes to wrestling. <laughs> so I watch it all, not just the, the, the main ones. But uh, yeah, she never impressed me at, at all in NXT. So we'll see. I know they're trying to, uh, she's Triple H's girl and she's trying to get, they're trying to push her right now. But I, I just don't know. I think that, uh, like I said, I think Becky Lynch should be in a title hunt, either on SmackDown or Raw. I agree with you, KG. You could literally had her wrestle Asuka here later in the show, and I would rather had that match. Well, you'd have had more buy-in. Yeah, you'd look more uh, forward to it. I mean, you know, Trish Stratus, the main reason that she got over uh, back in her prime was, let's be honest, because of her sex appeal. Who's interested in watching her now in Saudi Arabia where they cover up? <laughs> I mean, there was no interest in this match whatsoever. Well, KJ, let's move on to the third match on this card. And it's for the IC title. It's Gunther versus Masufa Ali. He won the Battle Royal to have this chance to win the IC title. Now, I saw this Battle Royal on Raw, and I knew they're heading to Saudi Arabia. So I had in the back of my mind that he was going to be the person to win it. I thought, there's no way in the world he could beat Gunther, even in Saudi Arabia. But you know what? Gunther gave him a good deal of offense in this match. I'm going to be honest with you. That Battle Royal 
there maybe Bronson Reed was really the only guy in the in the entire match that would have a chance that would put up a decent, you know, you could see them going over Gunther. There was never a question, and I don't think anybody's mind who was going to win this match. I will give it to Gunther that he did he did put he did put over uh, Mustafa Ali quite a bit of his moves and, and and what have you. But did you notice how quickly it ended when he was done with the match? It was over very very fast and. I think that's what we were all, we all thought it'd be more of a squash match, I guess, but we still knew the outcome, if that makes sense. No, KG, you're right. It does make sense. And I was kind of happy that it was kind of short and quick there. Now we're going to move on to the fourth match we got going on. It's for the Raw Women's Championship. It's Asuka, and it's against Bianca Belair. And they literally tell us Bianca Belair is the longest reigning women's champion of the modern era, which is probably from 1980 on. Kind of bittersweet because Bianca Belair is from my hometown, but I do enjoy Asuka as a heel champion. So anyone who listens to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast knows that I am not a Bianca Belair fan whatsoever. And I am ecstatic that Asuka won this match. Now, I actually picked her to win. We do a prediction show every pay-per-view. And I picked Asuka to win. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, there's no way they're going to let Ponytail Girls, what I always call her, (laughs) uh, let her lose a match at Night of Champions in Saudi Arabia. But... First of all, this match was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, they really, they really only started building the tempo up to this match in the last couple of weeks. So I can't, I kind of think they dropped the ball a little bit there. If they would have just kept it going right after WrestleMania, we would have had more buy-in. But man, oh man, Oscar is just a beast, and I thought this match was great. And uh, the outcome, I cannot wait. Donnie Cage is my co-host, and I cannot wait to rub it in his face uh, tomorrow night. Well, you know, KG. I kind of love this new version of Asuka. She comes back after WrestleMania. And it's more of the Asuka from like NXT in her J- New Japan days, or Japan days, actually. And I feel like she needs to have a long run with this title. We need to see how dark she can get. Yes, I, I loved it. Uh, it reminded me when uh, she was a part of that tag team in uh, Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, she's just uh, amazing. And her her face, uh, the paint. The paint on her face. Actually, uh, she mimics that, uh, what she used to do way back when. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I like this Oscar. And you're right. She needs to hold on to that title for a while and uh, see what she can do. I do think that they need to switch the titles because you have the SmackDown Women's Champion on Raw with the SmackDown belt. And you have the Raw Women's Champion on SmackDown with the Raw belt. I mean, we need to do some switching here, I think, uh, if you're going to stick with that like they did Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch back in the day. You know, KG, I'm just hoping they trade titles like in Badge Claim on the way back to the States and don't show it on TV, and I would be perfectly happy. Yeah, me too. As long as they show up uh, with the right title on the right show, they, they don't have to tell me anything. We already know what happened to drafts. Okay, so we'll go ahead and talk about the other women's title match because literally I feel like we're going to talk about it more than the actual match to left because it's real Ripley versus Natalia. And KG, as soon as they said, oh, hey, it's Natalia's birthday, I was like, oh, poor Natalia. Yeah. Um, so here, here's a match. I don't really quite understand what the creative and booking team was thinking because, first of all, you give me there's you give me nothing for this match, no reason to care whatsoever. Okay, so it's like Rhea Ripley walked up and, uh, oh, Natalia, you want a shot? Here we go. There's no story there, no storyline. And I think that's one of the reasons why this was such a squash match. I mean, this match was the fastest title match I've seen in a very, very long time. And I'm okay with that because, you know, 
uh, Natalia, she was great back in the day, but she was over her head in this match, and it showed clearly. Exactly. I know a few people on the internet and Twitter were thinking maybe we'll have both titles changed so they can flip these titles around to the proper shows. There's no way in the world you take that title off of Rhea right now because she's the hottest commodity they have in the WWE. Rhea Ripley, Judgment Judgment Day as a group, and uh, Dominic Mysterio. Uh, yeah, you don't want to touch that right now. That is hot. Very, very hot. Okay, we're up to the sixth match of this card. And I was kind of surprised they had it here. I thought this would be probably the first match because Brock lets to get back to Canada as soon as possible. But it's Brock Lesnar versus Cody Rhodes. And for some reason, the WWE, the company that Cody Rhodes works for, will allow him to have a match with a broken freaking arm? Question mark. Yeah, I mean, if you if you pay attention to the the dirt sheets and that, his broken arm was just for the storyline. Yeah. Uh, to make him look tough. Uh, which I think sad because he really did have the pec injury when he wrestled in Hell in a Cell, and he's already showed how tough he is. He didn't have to go this route. Plus, Brock Lesnar dominated him at Backlash. There was no reason to do the whole arm, you know, broken arm deal. Uh, Brock Lesnar won the match, and I I call that Brock Lesnar has lost uh, the last two pay-per-views he's been in. Uh, One against Bobby Lashley, got disqualified, and then, of course, Cody Rhodes rolled him up and at Backlash, and I just felt that, uh, you know, it was time for Brock to win, uh, and uh, of course he did. Now, Cody gave him more of a fight than I thought he was going to. I actually thought Cody Rhodes fought better in this match than he did at Backlash, so I enjoyed the match a lot more, but I kind of knew that what the outcome would be. You know, there's a moment in that match where Cody kind of channels his inner Let's Luger. He has that cast on his arm. He starts using it as a weapon. I was going like, Cody should do that sooner. But Brock won the day. And honestly, in this story, the storyline should have always been Brock is pissed off because he feels like Cody got lucky and he wants blood. He wants revenge on Cody. And he didn't need anything else for the storyline. Right. I agree. And here's the thing. I think there's more to this story. Uh, It's just something, you know, so first of all, Cody Rhodes is out there and he's challenging the bloodline, right? After his loss to WrestleMania. Brock Lesnar comes out of nowhere and wants to be his partner and then turns on him before the match starts. Here's the thing. So that happens. And then Paul Heyman, after Brock uh, destroys Cody last Monday on, on Raw, Paul Heyman goes to the ring and he says he has nothing to do with Brock Lesnar attacking Cody Rhodes. I'm just wondering if there's not a story there with Brock working for the bloodline. I, I don't know, but there, there's something odd there. And uh, I think it's part of the story. And uh, I'm, I'm here for it. Can't wait to see what happens. You know, KG, I got a feeling that Paul is trying to work his next deal to slot away from the bloodline when it all collapses. And ladies and gentlemen, we're at the main event. So let's go ahead and talk about the collapse of the bloodline here. Because it's collapsing. It's the WWE Undisputed World Tag Team Championship match. Sami Zayn's Kevin Owens versus the Bloodline members of Roman Reigns and Sola Sokola. This was a good match. Then it got kind of entertaining when the Usos come out and they're trying to help Roman win the match and they hit their younger brother with two super kicks and Roman's pissed off. Yeah, so like I said, uh, I think that uh, the main event stole the show, of course. If it wasn't for the Usos showing up, I don't know if it would have stole the show. But the way this match ended was crazy yeah roman reigns you're right he gets mad and if you notice he keeps asking them not why they're interfering but what are they doing in saudi arabia so he didn't even know that they they were there in the country according to the storyline so and he was mad and then there we go i always thought it would be jay uso but no 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 jimmy uso super kicks roman reigns <laughs> not once but twice there you go tribal chief what do you say now pal you know kg i was waiting for them to hit him with the 1d i was waiting for jimmy to look over at jay like jay i just did this 
we need to finish this guy now. Yeah, I, I and you know, here's here's what worries me about this is Jay Uso still looks distraught. Remember, Solo is their natural brother as well, and he still looks distraught and he's still looking back at Roman Reigns. I would hate to see because they're such a phenomenal tag team. I would hate to see Jay turn on Jimmy. But I think that's a possibility. I really do. You know, KG, I feel like it, that could be a possibility, and I'm right there with you. I don't want to see the Usos to break up because, honestly, storyline-wise, they've both been treated so badly. They eventually needed to do this turn and break away from the bloodline. The only thing I didn't like about it was the fact that Roman didn't eat the pen. I really felt like Roman should have got had to take the pen, and Sammy should have had that pen on Roman to end that chapter of this storyline. You see... I agree. Roman Reigns should have took the pin um, from either one, from Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens, because the guy hasn't been pinned in years. He has not had his shoulders. So this wouldn't uh, would not have affected his universal titles. And finally, though, some you could see that he's human. This guy hasn't had his uh, shoulders down for the one, two, three. Well, in over a thousand days. So I agree. He should have took the he should have ate the pin. Exactly. And Solo is like the hot new Kamali you have here. You're trying to build him up as the Samoa enforcer. And I already seen him pinned twice in probably three months. Okay, one thing else I got to talk about this match before we leave for the afternoon here or the evening. The referee in this match needs to get some credo because he took a spear from Roman Reigns. Yeah, he, <laughs> yes, he took a hit, hard hit. You know, he manned up to it, he took it and rolled out of the ring and uh, played his part beautifully. It's the best ref bump I have seen in a long time, and that guy deserves a standing ovation. Yeah, the only one I've seen, uh, AAA uh, wrestling, the referee, they put him through a uh, on accident. It was an accidental spear because the uh, the opponent got out of the way, but they the spear put him through a glass door. Uh, I seen that recently. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, KG, that has been WWE Night as Champions. I feel like both of us agree that this show was better than what any of us gave gave it credit for going into it. Absolutely. I'm actually excited for Money in the Bank now. I haven't been excited for that pay-per-view in years. I know. We're literally basically four weeks away from that. KG, where can we find, I guess, a Matt Wrestling Podcast? Sure. We are on 73 different audio outlets. Uh, anywhere that you can listen to uh, a podcast, Spotify. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, uh, the list goes on, uh, Podbean, we're, we're on them all, and uh, we do uh, two episodes a week. I have a co-host, Donnie Cage, and uh, I guess you could say Donnie's the baby face and I'm, I'm the heel of <laughs> the show, so, but, uh, you know, we have a good time, and uh, we have guests on. We're going to try to, I was going to talk to you after the show, maybe try to get you to come on and uh, be a guest, but we do interviews all the time, and, uh, you know, we really, uh, we both are very passionate about wrestling we have a very good warren marlowe joins the show quite often he's an independent wrestler and uh so yeah we have a good time so yeah just check us out and uh when you find the podcast in the description you'll find all of our links to our social media merch and all that crap <laughs> well thank you kg for coming on the show i look forward to chatting with you down the road absolutely sir thank you so much once again i like to thank kg from against the matt wrestling podcast Please go down to the show notes and give these gentlemen a listen. Now we're moving over to NST Battleground as I am joined by one of the young guns, Matthew Etter of Sunday Night Main Event fame, and now the new host of AEW Deep Dive as we talk everything that happened at NST Battleground, and it may just have been the best pay-per-view of the weekend. Dunning Six Question. All the whys and what have they done now? Hopefully, Sean can make sense of it. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with another round of the Stunning Six Questions, but this time it's a special NXT Battleground edition of Stunning Six Questions. So I had to go for the road there. I found me a young gun. He is the host of AEW Deep Dive on the Sunny Night Main Event. Family and Network of Wrestling Podcasts. You know him. You love him. He's Trey Mattafee. He is none other than Matthew Edler. Matt, how you doing? Oh, I'm well. Bonjour. Thank you very much for having me. Brother, I'm uh, excited to be here. Honored. Well, you know what, Matt? This is the better card of the weekend we're about to talk about. It's true. Yeah, we were blessed uh, to watch NXT Battleground. I, like, AEW Double or Nothing was, it was good. It was okay. But Battleground was better. All six matches were really good. You know one thing? I left Battleground with no regret because I paid 50 American dollars for it. AEW double or nothing, and I kind of want to go back to the dealer and go like, can I get half my money back? <laughs> I feel you, right? Like, yeah, it's a two-match show, but the two matches are great. You still kind of feel a little ripped off if you pay 50 bucks versus the nine ninety nine or whatever it is on the network now. I think it's twelve ninety nine in Canada for the for, for the network on Rogers Cable. I know, man. I feel like I owe NXT maybe like ten bucks because I feel like they outperformed this show. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, that's hilarious, man. No, NXT Battleground killed it. NXT's in a good place right now. Well, you know, the first match on this card basically set the tone for the night. It's the North American Triple Threat title match as we have Wesley versus Tyler Blake versus. Joe Gacy and Matt, this match was ball to the walls crazy. Yeah, it was so good. I love the finish of this match and just like the last like minute or 90 seconds. But yeah, all three guys are so good. And it, uh, Joe Gacy in a different way than the other two guys who were pretty, pretty much high flyers. Uh, Tyler Bates, not really a high flyer, but he can zip around that ring. And Wesley is one of the best high flyers in the business, right? So it's cool that three different wrestlers, although Wesley and Tyler Bates are more similar than Joe Gacy. They really mixed it up well. I really like that match a lot. Well, I love the fact that Joe Gacy was playing this whole match as being the person trying to poke the bear between the two so-called friends. As he's basically trying to explain to uh, Wesley and Tyler Bate, hey, you guys aren't really friends. I can see through this. And they basically spend most of the match dumping him outside of the ring so they can battle each other for the title. And I love the finish. Like you were talking about, we see Tyler Bate and Gacy both try to go for a bounce off the rope clothesline. Wesley loose to the back. Then he hits the double cardiac kick. You think that'd be the finish. Nope, but both of them kick out. We see Wesley take care of Bates out of the ring. And here comes Gacy again with that crazy finisher he has. But this time, that finisher doesn't work because we get the credit kick and the one, two, three. Yeah, it was so cool. Like, Wesley uh, he hits hits his finisher mid Joe Gacy doing his finisher. Yeah, it's just really like what they, what they came up with in that match. I thought that was a great job. It was. I feel like Wesley... Okay, here's a question for you, Matt. Is Wesley the greatest North American champion of all time? Oof, that's a good question. That's really good because, well, Adam Cole had it for a little bit. He was really, really good with it. But he, Wesley might be. Wesley has the most successful title defenses with it now, right? And he's had a lot of great matches against a, a variety of different opponents. I feel like he's both helped elevate the title and the tel- titles hel- uh, elevated him as well. So I think uh, maybe. I think he might be. Well, you know, Matt, after this match and his victory, I was kind of looking forward to maybe him moving on to face Carmelo Hayes, champion versus champion down the road, maybe, question mark? Oh, they could, yeah, because they, they started doing that feud, but they kind of left us wanting a little more. So I, I, I've always felt like they're going to go back to it in NXT before they both get called up to the main roster. Okay, Matt, the second match on this card is a little closer to our hearts because we both are fans of NXT UK. As we saw Noah Dar defend for the first time on North American soil, the Heritage Cup, as he's taking on Dragon Lee. And it was a good match. 
I'm still kind of sorry for the guys because they had to follow that match before them. But I thought this has been the first time that Harrison Cup has been on NSC proper. And for that crowd in Little Massachusetts not to see a rounds match before, it was pretty decent. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good way to introduce the concept. They didn't like go balls to the walls trying to have a five star match. They kind of just tried to tell you exactly what the rules of this match were, and they they like it was an introduction more than like an all time classic or anything. But I still very much liked it. Like Noam Dar and Dragon Lee, they could have a good match in their sleep. Both of those guys are so fabulous. I think the biggest thing coming out of this match was the fact that Noam Dar has this new fashion and. It- this faction, I'm still kind of shaky on it, but No Dart is one heck of a hill, and I just love him being on NSC right now. Absolutely, and he's well. He's got some people who need they needed something to do. Oro Mensa and Lash Legend and uh, Miss Jackson all kind of had nothing to do in NXT, so I like that. Noam Dar's got him some flunkies, and yeah, I, they need a name, they need a general like push and stuff. We'll see how it develops. But I, I like where it's at right now. You know, this match only missed one thing. They needed Samuel Shaw there because the bookie yeah. was bookie. He was so good. He was so funny. He was he had his own like unique charisma. The bookie Noam Dar's uh his most Sizzlack if you're a Simpsons fan. And I uh, I really liked uh, the works of Samuel Shaw. I hope they bring him back in. Well, I do too because I feel like that pairing was so good in NST UK. I just wish we could see it on NST proper. But this new fashion, I got a feeling that it's going to be the second healed fashion on NST right now behind the schism. And maybe down the road, you battle them against the system. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with the schism. That's a weird group. Yeah. Okay. Match three may be the greatest last man standing match in the history of professional wrestling. And yes, I will die on that hill. Wow, man. Yeah, no, it was so good. These guys, oh, they went to war. They went to war. Donovan Dijak versus Ilya Dragunov. My God. Okay, Matt, I've never seen a scene for Kane slash Kino Sick ever used so roughly in a match where I was sitting and thinking, oh my God, they go give me an Advil right now. <laughs> just watching, because you need an Advil, yeah. They, that, that poor Kendo stick disintegrated in the hands of Dijak. And uh, and the chest of Dragonov, my God, yeah, they they beat the crap out of each other, man. That was definitely one of the best matches of the year, one of those be- with the best last man standing matches, like you said, of all time. And it's just crazy how Ilya Dragonov against these guys who are so much bigger than him. He always like brings the fight to them, and and, and doesn't look out of place against a guy who's like six five, six six. Exactly. Okay, if you look at these two guys on the street and fight, they got into a fight. You like Dijak is gonna kill this guy, but we literally saw Ilya Dragunov. Spearing himself through a table to get to Dijak. And I was like, oh my freaking word. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, the amount of things that he comes up with and then, and then performs. Just mind-blowing, man. So we see Ilya get the victory over Dijak. Basically writing this feud off. And I feel like both guys got elevated during this feud. And I can't wait to see what happened next from. So where would he send these two guys? Because I kind of want to take Dragon up onto the main roster. And I kind of want to get on Smack on Raw where uh, Guffer is and we can just relive Guffer versus Dragunov. Uh, I'm into it, man. Yeah, I think uh, I think Ilya Dragunov is ready. He maybe needs a little more work on his promos, but I think he's there. I think he's ready. He's already done NXT and NXT UK. Done, done enough. Had takeover matches, big ones, important ones, and delivered. Like, I think he's ready. So I would move both guys up. Dijak's already been on the main roster, just kind of failed with the retribution thing, but it wasn't his fault. It wasn't his failure. It was the the stupid gimmick they gave him. 
Yes, that was like Chris Jericho would say, bad idea from poor creative. So this person that died on the main roster and everybody the healthy new machine of Triple H, it's kind of the limit for this guy. I think so. I, I think so. Both guys. But yeah, Dragunov, Dragunov is so good. I think he's ready for the main roster. Okay, we're up to our fourth match here, Matt. And my question for you, this one, who is next for Gallus? As we see yet again, our beloved Don and mine, the guys get so close. The Kree brothers are so good in the ring, but they can't win the title. Yeah, we need a new baby face tag team. Maybe Hank and Tank somewhere down the road. Maybe, honestly, it's going to be Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs. They're new serious characters, no longer goofing around, no longer the Incel Express. Now they're cool dudes cool cowboy tag team i think they're probably gonna win the titles i think so but this match here is just a hoss fight to the, the stream here it's a good match it would probably be more rememberable if it wasn't on this card and it didn't have to follow the first two matches yeah that's just it that's sometimes a wrestling show like and it happens like all kinds of different entertainment but like yeah a song on an album that you don't listen to that much because it has four or five hits on it or something right that's what this was this is one of those tracks on the album that if you go back and listen to it you're gonna be like oh oh man this one this one was a banger too that i actually love this song you know that's what this match reminded me of because it was really good but people are gonna just absolutely sleep on it yeah i feel like the finish kind of dis- did a little disservice here because we see ava come down to attack ivy and you see the creeper turn around and look at ivy being attacked and that's me you know here comes the finish by gallus and one two three and continuing the feud between dynamite and the system but I was like, come on, let the Creepers ear get this title. Let them have a short title reign or get off the pot. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. They already have had the titles, though. So I think they're just kind of there in NXT. Honestly, just to teach Brutus how to work a little more. I think he needs he needs the seasoning more than Julius does. I think Julius is ready. Brutus less so. Okay, we're up to our fifth match, Matt. And this is probably your favorite match of the evening, probably your favorite <laughs> match of the year, as we have the NST Women's Final in their tournament to crown the new NST Women's Champion, as we see a lot of Vakaria versus Tiffany Stratton, and I got it wrong. Tiffany Stratton is your new NST Women's Champion, and this was a star-making moment. Was this the star-making moment for Tiffany Stratton, Matt? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I don't know if it's my favorite match of the year, but I definitely, I, I'm uh, big time on the Tiffany Stratton bandwagon. She's really, really good. She's got all the tools. She's very talented. Uh, incredible athlete. Like, outside of the ring, like an accomplished, like, very, very good athlete. And uh, yeah, she's she's taken to professional wrestling like a duck to water, as they say. And I just think she's she's just already brilliant at this. She's been doing it for like two years, and she's only going to get better and better and better. So yeah, it was cool to see her get her moment, get her flowers on the big stage. Well, this was the longest match on the card by about seven seconds over the uh, last man standing match. And I feel like this match told a complete story because the story going into this is Lana Victoria has a injured knee due to Corey J attacking her like last week. And Tiffany not being dumb-dumb here, she focused on the knee. Went through a couple different submissions, and Lyra Victoria tried her best, but that knee gave out, and that's how Tiffany Stratton won the match. Yeah, and that's how it happened. So they gave Lyra a little bit, but also Tiffany looked strong in victory. She she vanquished her opponent and won clean in the middle of the ring. So yeah, I like how they did that. And yeah, it was it was the, it, the right person won. The right person won. You know, Matt, what surprised me about this match is that Lowell, Massachusetts crowd made Tiffany Stratton like the biggest baby face. They really, they did. They they popped very, very hard when uh, 
when she hit that moonsault, they really reacted quite well. I was like, am I in a bizarro world? Because I was like going, I feel like Barbara Curious should be the face here, but the crowd is just love and Tiffany to death. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, man. Yeah, it was nice. So, it's just crazy to think that um, Tiffany Stratton has only been in professor wrestling for two years, and it's scary how good she is now. Absolutely. That's what I mean. She's only going to get better, too, and she's working with Roxanne and some people, I'm sure, in the summer. Hopefully, they put her against people who are more seasoned, like Lyra Valkyria or like Roxanne Perez, honestly, uh, and they don't stick her against people who are, like, less experienced than her, because she still needs to figure it out. She'll, she still is in the learning phase, as good as she is. Well, you know, Matt, I got a feeling that she's going to be able to learn on the job, especially with the group of women they have in NXT right now. It may be the strongest women's roster in WWE. I think that's for sure. Yeah, that's fair. For sure. Okay, Matt, we're up to our final match here. It's for the NXT title, as we see the son of a Steiner, but we're supposed to not know he's a Steiner. Versus Carmelo Hayes. And I feel like after this Tiffy Stratton match, this match was kind of like an afterthought. I thought it was a good showing by both guys, but it was, I was left myself going like, okay, cool. Uh, what's next for Brum Breaker? He didn't win the title back. Well, that's interesting. I, I actually really liked this match. I thought it was better than the Tiffany match, although the like Tiffany's moment was really cool. I thought this was a great match. I, uh, I, I thought it was way better than their first one. Their first one was what left me a little. A little flat, a little disappointed, but I thought they really delivered in this one. The crowd helped a lot. The crowd being behind Carmelo so much really uh, really helped this match. I mean, it really allowed Braun Breaker to go full heel. Like, there weren't anybody, there weren't many people if there were chanting for Braun or, like, cheering for Braun at all. So I, I thought it really helped both guys. The clear divide, babyface versus heel. I like the match a lot. I mean, I like the match, too. I love the fact that they replayed the spot where Carmel goes for his cutter and Breaker spears him out of the air. I mean, their timing is so freaking awesome. Yeah, and that's one that Carmelo just has to lean into and just take. Like, just that that has to hurt. There's no way that that can't hurt really, really bad. Braun Breaker's a huge dude, and that's just physics. It's just gravity and momentum flying into this man. But it looks spectacular. Like you said, the timing on that is just excellent. I feel like the way they basically made this a clean cut victory for a new babyface Carmelo Hayes has really cemented his character as being this babyface, and he really didn't have to do much to change. He's become, you know, he's like a new rock. He basically hasn't changed his persona. It's just a fan to accept the guy as a winner. Yes, exactly right, man. And I like that. You can't insult the fan's intelligence. And if you do, then the, the, the person who, like, you just randomly just changed overnight, they never get as popular as they should be. So I like that he hasn't just become a new person overnight. He's still cocky. He's still cool. He's just he's just winning matches and, and doing things the honorable way in the ring. Exactly. And now we got Braun Brecker cleared from the NSC title picture. And reports are that he may be going to the main roster. So we got to see what happens there. Matt, before I let you go, who do you want to see Carmelo Hayes face next? Uh, let's say Joe Gacy, honestly. Like, I, I don't know how much schism has left to do. And I think Joe Gacy's a really good wrestler. I'd like to see him in the in the main event picture without doing spooky stuff. Like when Joe Gacy was against Braun Breaker, they were doing all kinds of spooky Undertaker nonsense. Leave that in the past and just do like you pro wrestler Joe Gacy versus Carmelo Hayes. Because Carmelo Hayes can beat him too. Joe Gacy doesn't need to be NXT world champion. Melo needs to beat somebody over the next couple of months. Exactly. You know, that could be a fun summer feud as 
you just wait to the fall to bring out a new challenger for Carmel Hayes. Now, I would love to see Dragunov versus Carmel. I feel like those two guys putting their heads together could have one hell of a match. Yeah, no doubt. That's a really great call. And if Dragunov's not going to move up right away, that's a good thing to do with both of those guys. And we've already seen a Hill versus a Dragunov on NXT UK, and we know he can play either side of the coin. So that's a perfect fit for this baby face, Carmella Hayes, and you're trying to get him over. And if you beat Dragunov, it doesn't hurt him. Agreed, man. Agreed. Yeah, I like I like your idea better than mine. <laughs> Let's go with that. Well, Matt, where can we find you? on the wonderful world of wrestling podcast. No, thank you for asking. Yeah, the Sunday Night's Main Event Network, I host uh, AEW Dynamite, the AEW 3D podcast, which you can find by just type in SNME Radio uh, in any podcatcher or type in BAM, Boris and Matt Weekly. We also do a podcast pretty much weekly. Sometimes we do kids, but usually every Friday we post. So I got a podcast every Wednesday. In a podcast every Friday. But Matt, thank you for joining us here on Ray Free Professional Wrestling. And we can't wait to have you back later on to talk more professional wrestling. Thanks, brother. Always a pleasure. Once again, I got to give a big thank you to Matthew Ether of AEW Deep Dive and the Sunny Night Main Event Network for coming on and talking everything in its seat battleground. And it's time for the main event of our show as I give you my breakdown of AEW. Double or nothing. Did we hit 21 or did we bust out? Okay, AEW Double or Nothing 2023 may go down as the promotion's most polarizing pay-per-view in its history. Okay, right from the start, the first match may cause a little bit of controversy because some people call it the best battle royal they have seen, while others just shake their head as one Orange Cassidy retains his international title after defeating 20 other people in this battle royal. Now, this battle royal had a lot of stories going on. We saw the continuation of the Bullet Club Gold versus Ricky Starks feud, and Ricky Starks did get a little bit of revenge here as he limits both Jay White and Juice Robinson from this battle royal. We also saw a stare down between Jay White and Pentagon Jr. And boy, I want to see this match now. This match needs to happen. But we get to the final four. It's Pentagon Jr., Babe Bill, Orange Cassidy, and Swerve Strickland. Now, they gave Babe Bill a very good run here, trying to build this guy up as a muncher giant. As he did eliminate Pentagon Jr., he eliminated Ricky Starks. The dude was a one-man wrecking machine. He probably had the most eliminations in this match. But... We get down to the final three after Pentagon gets eliminated. And Swerve Strickland and Big Bill, they're kind of arguing over who's going to toss out the lifeless body of Orange Cassidy. But Swerve Strickland wants to do it, but Big Bill did all the damage. And so Strickland's going like, hey, cool, I'll allow you to toss him out. Not a problem. So we see Big Bill pick up Orange Cassidy getting near the ropes. And the next thing you know, Orange Cassidy slides off just in time as Swerve Strickland pushes Big Bill over the top rope. And we get our final two. And these two go at it for a little bit it's a fun end to a match and orange cassidy wins in orange cassidy fashion with a weak little kick at the end to send strickland down from the ring apron so we had our first champion retain here on the show as orange cassidy retains his international title and hopefully this sets up a feud between him and Charles Strickland because eventually we got to get this title off of Orange Cassidy because it's like his 22nd victory now. And I feel like Orange Cassidy run with his title has its nearing his end. I feel like he needs to move on to something else. Okay, second match on the card and probably the most polarizing finish to a match, maybe. It might be this one 
and a next match coming up, but it's the unsanctioned match between Adam Cole, baby, and Chris Jericho. This match saw the interference of Soraya, and we also saw Britt Baker, DMD, come down with a candlestick, beat the heck out of Chris Jericho for a minute, chase uh, Soraya from the ringside area, so all the outside interference goes away, and Adam Cole gets a chance to beat the living heck out of Chris Jericho, and... The most controversial ending to this match is the fact that this unsanctioned match ends with a referee stoppage after we saw two booms kicks to the back of Chris Jericho's head. We see Adam Cole mount Chris Jericho, use the steel chain to beat his face in, and there's a little bit of blood around his eye, and Aubrey Heather calls for the bell. And the fans are sitting there going like, what in the world happened? They didn't know how to react. It was kind of like a slow reaction to the finish. After watching this match a second time, it's an okay match. It's not the greatest Jer- Chris Jericho Adam Cole match, but I feel like this is just a step in the storyline that is going to be Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho. Okay, so we're moving on to the third match of the night. It's for the AEW Tag Team Titles. We have Mark Briscoe as your special guest referee, and it's TNA. It's Team TNA. It's Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal versus. FTR. Now, this match may have the most controversial finish to it. It might not be the most controversial finish, but it was the most overbooked finish you ever seen in a wrestling pay-per-view match. As we saw not one guitar shot, we saw two guitar shots. We saw two referees eat a guitar shot. So, near the finish of this match, Jarrett is angry at the count of Mark Briscoe. He turns around, slaps him, and here we go. We're off to the races. Mark pushes back. Jared gets gets the guitar. Boom! Takes out Mark Briscoe. So he's out. So there's no referee. FDR gets a visual pin here. Where's the referee? We need a referee. So from out of the back is Aubrey Heller. And Sandy Jack cuts her off, giving Karen Jarrett enough time to come around with another guitar and lays out Aubrey Edward. So yet again, the hills come up top. There's no referee. What are we going to do? So Jeff Jarrett goes over. He... Tries to wait up Mark Brissot. And Sinanis goes again. Another slap to the face of Mark Brissot. Brissot pushes Jerry backwards right into a big rig from FTR. One, two, three. Faces retain. It was a fun match. But the ending was a little bit overbooked. Okay, next match up on the card is for the TNT Championship. It's Wardlow versus Christian Cage. With the stipulation being, it's a ladder match. And going into this match, I was thinking this could be a moment where we see either Christian Cage get the title off of Warlow, or this could be a star-making moment for Warlow. And I got a feeling that neither got accomplished here. First of all, Warlow wins the match with a little help from Arn Anderson. As Arn Anderson tips over the ladder, Warlow catches Christian, does a power bomb, takes him out, climbs up the ladder, and retains the title. Now, during this match, there's some scary spots. That's all I can say about it. As we see Warlow jump from the top rope to the ladder, trying to land on the ladder, he breaks a couple runs and destroys this ladder. And they fight for a bit longer. Warlow puts this ladder back up. He's going to try to climb it. And that's when we see is a referee slide into the ring and basically pulls the ladder away from Warlow, going like, you can't use this one for your own safety. So there's another ladder gets slid in the ring. They go to fight on the outside for a bit. Lucasaurus comes down. They battle around for a bit. Arn Anderson bites the thumb of Lucasaurus and causes it to bleed like like a stuffed pig. It was so much blood. It's like, oh my god. So here comes Warlow. He puts Lucasaurus onto one of two tables in front of a giant ladder. 
Warlock climbs up this giant ladder and just a Jeff Hardy swanton bomb off of it and takes Lucasaurus out of this match. Now, he glancingly takes Lucasaurus out of this match. I feel like Warlock went through the second table where there's nobody to break his fall. So that's another reason I feel like this match was just a little bit scary here. So we leave this one with Warlock being our TNT champion. And I'm hoping that we can put this Christian Cage feud behind us and find Warlock somebody else to challenge for this title. Okay, our next match wasn't really a match. It's more of a way to get out of a situation that AEW had no control over, as it's our AEW Women's Championship match between Tony Storm and Jamie Hayer. Now, going into this match, we weren't sure if Jamie Hayer would be clear to wrestle, and clearly, by the way, that we went through this match, she wasn't clear to do much. As we saw Tony Storm be the first person introduced in the match, she comes down to the ring and they play JB Hader's music a couple of times. And here comes Hader stumbling down to the ringside because the rest of the outcasts had gotten to her and beat her down. And literally, this was basically the outcasts three on one beating the baby face down so Tony Storm could get the pin. And they can transfer the title over to Tony Storm while Jamie Hayer recovers. Now, hopefully, Jamie Hayer recovers in time for All In. And we get to see Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayer in Women's Stadium. Okay, so at this point, this is where I thought a lot of AEW fans were thinking this is the worst pay-per-view the company has done. But to me, this next match was where it all turned around. It's the AEW Creos Championship as we have the House of Black. Defending against the Acclaim and Billy Gunn. Now, Matt Kasser cut one hell of a rap here. It livened the crowd up. And this match saved this pay-per-view. Because I feel like these guys went out to prove a point. That they are six of the best AEW has to offer. Now, you get this question here. Do you want the Acclaim to go over to the House of Black? We're just still trying to establish the House of Black as this dominant fashion with the titles. And AEW went down the road where the House of Black retains after a hard-fought battle from the Acclaim. Most of this match was basically Anthony Bowen being the best version of Ricky Morton I've ever seen, okay? Basically, they took the best Rock and Roll versus Midnight Express match and Anthony Bowen's played the role of Ricky Morton as we were waiting for the hot tag to Matt Castor or Billy Gunn. And we got the hot tag to Billy Gunn. He runs him up for a bit, but Alistair Black comes in with his kick. One, two, three. House of Black retains. And it was a fun match. And I want to see a rematch between these two teams. Okay, so up next, we got the first of two TBS Championship title defenses for Jerry Cardell. And the first one being against Tyler Valkyrie. This match was better than their first match they had for the title. I feel like both ladies got a little bit more offense in here. The first match went 8 minutes and 43 seconds. And once again, somehow, Jay Cardell beat Tyler Valkyrie. Clean as a whistle. 1-2-3. And after the match, Sterling Mark comes on to the mic going, 16-0, there's nobody left for Jay Cardell to challenge. Hey, we'll battle anybody, anytime, place. So who's going to come out? The one person that all the AEW fans wish would come out is Chris Statlander. And she comes down to the ring. It's the second TBS title match. And it's basically 49 seconds of Statlander just nailing all her offense on a weekend Jay Cardell. And I like kind of like the fact that Jay Cardell went ahead and accepted this match. I'm hoping she's going to take some time off and I'll bring her back as a babyface. But Chris Sattler winning the TBS title might be the highlight of this pay-per-view. It's just such a good moment because we know the story of Sattler having overcome two ACL injuries. So now she's the champion. 
And I can't wait to see who the first challenger is going to be for Chris Statlander. And apparently, Jay Cardio is going to take some time away from AEW. So when she comes back, hopefully, she'll be a baby face and she'll be going after the AEW World Women's Championship. Okay, so we're up to the AEW World title match, the Four Pillars match. Probably the best match on this card. MJF, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara all came out with one mission in mind. To have the best effing match. They weren't the main event. And are there to prove that he should have been the main event. And this four-way match was not your stereotypical four-way match. Where you only have two people battling each other at the same time. They found different combinations of submission moves. To always have at least three of the people battling each other. So it was entertaining. We saw one spot where we saw all four gentlemen lock a submission on each other. As they're trying to make each other tap out. And the only thing that made it look just a little bit silly was the referee running around trying to figure out who's going to submit first. And there's a funny moment in the middle of the match between MJF and Sammy Guevara. As we found out before the match started that Ty and Sammy are respecting their first child here. And MJF looks at Sammy and goes like, think of the child. You need the money. Lay down for me. He hands the mic over to Sammy. Sammy looks at him and goes like, yeah, I'll lay down for you. He tricks him into thinking that he's going to lay down, rolls him up for a near fall. And then we see MJF turns it into like the solid earth and Sammy's trying to battle out of it. So that submission gets broken up. Another cool spot in this match is we see Jungle Boy with the AEW world title. And the question is, is he going to turn heel? Are we going to see a heel Jungle Boy? Is he going to take the shortcut to become the champion? Is he going to become... MJF. But no, he tosses the title down and he refuses to use it. He gets caught and it leads to the finish where we see Darby Allen go up for the coffin drop, but MJF slides the title on top of Jungle Boy. He Darby Allen eats the title on his back. MJF slides in, does the arm like the head lock takeover and does the pin there again. So once again Darby Allen loses to MJF via the headlock takeover. So that was kind of interesting. And it's just such a great way for MJF to retain the title. Yet again, this cowardly chicken shit hill finds a eleventh minute 11th hour escape for a victory. And we're just saying they're going like who can beat this guy? And going to AEW tonight, we'll have to see who is the next challenger for MJF. So our main event was the Anarchy and Arena match between the Elite and the Backpool Combat Club. This was an insane match from the get-go. As we saw a live house band play the Backpool Combat Club into the ring. And the band kept playing for a good portion of this match. Until we saw Nick Jackson and Matt Jackson get up to the stage and super kick the lead singer. And that's when the music died on this episode. One of the cool spots. We get towards the end of the match is Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega in the ring versus all four members of the Blackpool Combat Club. They're standing back to back. And who's supposed to come out? It's Katesha. And we don't know it's Katesha at the moment because he's underneath the hood. He attacks Kenny Omega right after Kenny was getting ready to nail the one-winged angel yet again. And he reveals himself to be Katesha. And Don Callis gets in the ring with him. Kakesha turns heel. The crowd goes ape shit for it. They boo Kakesha. And Kenny Omega gets pinned by Yuta. Widow Yuta has a pinfall victory over Kenny Omega. And I thought it was the perfect finish to this match. Because now Widow Yuta can use this and brag about it for the rest of his career. 
and especially during his, his AEW run, this crowd is going to hate him for it. Now, I started my review saying this was the most paralyzing pay-per-view in AEW history. And coming out of Sunday night, I did have quite a sour taste in my mouth from this pay-per-view. I didn't think it was worth the $50 that I spent for this pay-per-view. So I went to Twitter, put a, a poll on Radio PW, and I gotta say, it was kind of split. So I had 43% of me agreeing Sunday night that it was the worst pay-per-view in AEW history. While on the other hand, nearly 38% of you said, no, 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 Sean, you're wrong. This was a good pay-per-view. And upon a second watching of it before this podcast, I got to change my mind. This pay-per-view was right in the middle to maybe thumbs slightly up. After the second viewing, I think the only thing I didn't like about it was the ending to the AEW tag team match. I think that could have been a little bit less booked to get to the finish that you wanted. And maybe... A little bit of the Chris Jericho, Heyman, Chris Jericho, Adam Cole match could have been just a little bit different, a little bit more tight, maybe. But it's not as bad as I thought it was Sunday night. And this brings us to the end of our massive post-show here on Ready Free Pro Wrestling. I hope you enjoyed it, and I can't wait for you guys to join us this Saturday as we talk about all the fallout from this massive weekend and professional wrestling. Until then, stay stunning. This is Sergeant Arms of Christina on behalf of the guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next time, the liberation continues.